Good morning. Today's reading is from Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15, and can be found on page 958 in the Pew Bible. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body. And be thankful. This is the word of God for the people of God. God, thank you, Justine. Hey, I just want to take a moment. You know, on a Sunday morning, it is unbelievable to me what it takes to make sure that uh, the things that I say and the things we do are communicated out to the world through live stream, that, that my slides that we've created, that our words are, are up and ready to go, that my mic is working, and we have an amazing team that does all that great work. But I want to celebrate today. There is a man, I mean, there are a few people on staff who work to make this work good, but there is a man in particular who really works hard to make sure, well, frankly, I look good on a Sunday morning, and I want to thank him today. But it is James Mills' birthday today, and I just want to thank him. And if you really want to, you can thank Jeannie and give her a big hug for all that James does. So his wife, his wife. Well, you know, we're, Pastor Rob left me with a sermon about what irritates us about our spouses. So I will thank him later. But I thought we could start off with a few jokes. All right, so what do you call an intelligent, good-looking man with a sense of humor? Husband, well, a rumor, a rumor. All right, don't get too excited, guys. So there was a man who took his wife to Hawaii for their 10-year anniversary. It was a great trip. He came back. He was telling his friend all about it. You know what his friend said? He said, man, that sounds like an amazing trip. What are you going to do next year? And the guy said, I'll I'll probably go pick her up. (laughs) You know, we've been talking about this crazy little thing called love, something that applies not only to our marriages, but really to all relationships because we're called to love each other. You know, there... If I'm being honest, there, no matter how much I love my friends, no matter how much I love my spouse, my family, there are things that they do that irritate me to no end, right? Uh, I'll give you an example. When my wife Melissa and I were first married, we had some personality differences that we needed to work out. Y'all know what I'm talking about? So part of it because was because we hadn't seen each other, well, we hadn't lived together yet, right? So we didn't know exactly how the other was at home. And the other part was, well, I had some things I needed to work on. I lacked a little bit of awareness, if I'm being honest. That'll be more clear here in a second. So I would, on days that we were off, we'd be at home, and every once in a while, I'd be sitting there, and I would feel benevolent and generous. And so I'd walk around the house, And I would walk into the kitchen inevitably and I would see this pile of dirty dishes and I would think I'm feeling benevolent and generous today. I will do these dishes for my wife, Melissa, and I would do these dishes. And then after I was finished, you know what I'd do? I'd go into that tally sheet in my head. You guys got them. Don't lie. Dishes. The Mark column, Melissa column. Check. I've done 14 this month. She's only done 12. I'm more generous and benevolent, right? 
And then I would walk into the living room. I'd sit down on the couch and I would wait. And I would wait. And I would wait for 10 minutes. I would wait. And then I would burst into the room where my wife, Melissa, who was working on her lesson plan for first graders, she was working on a full-time job at the time, whatever. (laughs) And I'd burst in and I'd say, where's my thank you? And she would say, thank you for what? I said, for doing the dishes. I did them for you. You're welcome. Yeah, before you hate me too much, this was a long time ago. Uh, and it was clear to me, or at least it's become clear to me, that there were things about me when I was 27 years old that, well, irritated my wife to no end. Still working through it, but I got a long way to go. We all have personalities, don't we? And they don't always mix. You know, whether it's in a marriage or in a friendship, we might see things differently, especially when we're going through, well, projects or problems, and, and we approach them differently. We see them differently. Merrick Rosenberg, in his book, The Chameleon, writes about really four distinct personality traits or personalities, and he writes this book of fables that basically describes these personalities and how these personalities come in contact with each other and deal with conflict and Uh, Seek to Find Better Understanding. It's a great book. You should absolutely read it. But one of the fables goes like this. The spring wind had blown through the trees and had destroyed all the nests of the sparrows. But the sparrows were prepared. You see, they had already been to Ikea and purchased all of their nests. Uh, They had extra nest kits as a backup just in case this happened. Well, all the birds of the forest came out and they were there to help in the relief effort to assemble these nest kits. And they were paired off two by two. Well, one particular pair was an owl and a parrot. You see, they were set to assemble five kits together. Well, the parrot was excited. I mean, the parrot was ready to get to work, was hopeful, with beautiful feathers. The parrot couldn't wait to get started and get these poor sparrows back into their homes, right? They need to get back quick. Then there was the wise, discerning owl, who knew that with the right amount of focus and the right attention, these nests would be assembled correctly, the right way. Y'all see where this is going, right? Yeah, so... The parrot, eager to get to work, watches as the owl takes the first kit very carefully, very meticulously, to the pain of the parrot, opens the boxes not to rip it. And then takes out the instructions and sets them aside, takes out all the pieces and begins to inspect the the pieces to make sure that none of them are damaged. And the parrot is just not making it. Come on, owl, when are we going to get started? And the owl says, oh, it's time to get started. Let's read through the instructions before we put anything together. Oh, man, the parrot couldn't stand it. Why do we need to read through the instructions? But the parrot complied and read through the instructions as quickly as birdly possible. And then they started assembling the kits. Well, the owl started assembling the nest. The owl thought the parrot was better to read the instructions. And the owl began to put the nest together to assemble all the pieces appropriately and and approximately the right way. So... About a half day later, which was just taken forever, according to the parrot. Well, the owl had finally finished the first nest and tested the nest. And he looked at the parrot and said, this nest is in compliance. It's a good nest. 
Well, the parrot thought, if we go at this pace, we'll never get these sparrows back in their homes. we got to get going. Well, the parrot shoved the owl out of the way, ripped open the second box, threw the instructions, because who needs them? And instead of inspecting all the pieces, started putting the nest together. Well, the owl protested, what about the instructions? And the parrot said, it's a nest! It's pieces of wood, we can put it together! Well, the owl watched as the parrot assembled the nest, not... Not the exact way the owl would have done it. Parrot had to go back a few times and fix some mistakes, but it was done. It was livable. You know, the truth is, this happens all too often in our friendships, in our work relationships, and in our marriages. We all have these personalities. They don't always approach life the same way, and that can cause irritation. They can lead to conflict. That can leave one or both in the relationship feeling mistreated, or undervalued. Well, the Apostle Paul understood this completely. He wrote uh, a passage in Colossians. It's one of my favorite passages. Every time I officiate a wedding, I read this passage, no matter what passage we're reading that day. Because it shows exactly how we're supposed to be in relationship with one another. This is what he said in Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 13. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion. Kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also, what? Must forgive. He doesn't say, so you also should probably forgive every once in a while. No. He says, so you also must forgive. You know, understanding that frustrations in our relationships will inevitably come from people we're in relationship with, let's remember, the mission of relationship in our marriage and our friendships is to demonstrate God's love for the world in the way that we love each other so that the world might know God's great love for them. What Paul is saying is the way to do that in a Christ-centered biblical manner is to clothe, bear with, and to forgive. Clothing's important. Would you all agree? If I wasn't wearing clothes today, I would be fired. Let's put it that way, right? Clothing's important. You know, clothing can protect us from the elements. Clothing can uh, express how we're feeling on the inside. It's usually one of the first things people notice about us is our clothing. Well, I would submit to you today that our attitude is kind of like clothing. The attitude we wear. More namely, the bad attitudes are really easy to spot. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Right When we wear a bad attitude as our clothing, you know what it's like? It's like showing up to the Marine Corps Marathon where people are jam-packed in, and everybody's wearing, you know, just T-shirts and running shorts. They're just trying to go as quickly as possible, and you show up in football pads, right? You're going to be protected, but you're going to hurt a whole mess of people along the way as you're pushing through them. Can I just say something honest? Are we there yet? Are we friends? You know, the other services looked at me like I was crazy too. I get it. You're afraid of what I'm going to say. Well, here's what I'm going to say. The people you love will do things to you that irritate you to no end. Surprise, right? Don't nod your heads too too much there. Because the other thing I want to tell you is the things you do at times will irritate the people you love most in this world to no end. 
And you know what question we're asking ourselves when we do this? Who's more irritating? Me or them, right? Whose way is the right way? My way or their way? That's what I want to know because it doesn't matter. Do you know what the owl said to the parrot? The owl said, my way is the right way. Well, what the owl didn't know that the parrot knew is those instructions were from Ikea and so nobody needs them anyway, right? Nobody understands Ikea instructions. Skipping steps, I don't understand it. Now, it may be that the owl's way was a more efficient way. But, here's what I know about relationships. You can be right all of the time. Or, you can be in a healthy relationship, but you can't have both. And the parrot's, the parrot's body language was all off. I mean, you could just, those feathers were getting ruffled. You could just see how irritated that parrot was. In a very passive-aggressive way, the parrot was saying nothing, right? And it was very impatient, very frustrated. Well, let me say this. Not dealing with how others make us feel, taking all of those emotions and shoving them just way down so that they can come out later in the most passive-aggressive way possible is just as bad as getting your way all the time. The truth about the story is neither the owl nor the parrot were right because they weren't treating each other the right way. I don't care how perfect or efficient we want our lives to be. If we don't treat each other with love and respect, it just doesn't matter. You know, our children will never remember or notice how perfectly put together their Ikea dresser was. You know that? They don't care. It holds their clothes. It doesn't fall apart. Good enough, right? You know what they'll notice? They'll notice when their parents were putting it together, treating each other, mistreating each other, uh, and undervaluing one another. They'll notice that. They'll remember that. It'll stick with them. You see, in relationships, the end doesn't justify the means because the destination is never as important as getting there together and being able to live with yourself once you've arrived. Compassion, kindness, humility, meekness and patience are the attitude that we are supposed to clothe ourselves with in relationships. Now, that doesn't mean we have to compromise our values. doesn't mean we have to compromise who we are. But it does mean that our attitudes can work to destroy our relationships or they can work to build them up. But our attitude will only get us so far, right? Wearing clothes is only so much of who you are. Paul says... We need to bear with one another. You know, you know what one translation says to bear with one another means? Long suffering. I want you to long suffer with your spouse. I feel like, I feel like that's a little intense, Paul. Right? But what, what we can all agree is that we could stand to be a little bit more patient with our spouses. We stand to be a little bit more patient with our family, with our friends. We could stand to seek to understand a little bit more and not worry about being understood as much. We could listen more and talk less. The owl and the parrot were ultra critical of the way that the other did the project, approached the project, thought, because what they wanted to do ultimately was get the other to be just like them. They didn't like the way the other thought. And they tried to change them instead of bearing with each other. You see, we find this a lot in relationships. We find ourselves more tolerating the other than we do of accepting who they are at their core. It's difficult. 
You know, there's a big difference between addressing a single action, right? This thing that has been done, right? That we often, what do we do? We call them character flaws. I mean, when we do them, it's just a mistake. But when they do them, it's character flaw. But there's a big difference between addressing a single action versus a pattern of behavior that's connected to their very personality of who they are, the way that they think, the way they process information and work through things. Let me give you an example. If you are in a relationship, if you tell an analytical person to stop overanalyzing everything because you're tired of talking about it, then you're telling them it's not okay to be who they are. If you tell an energetic person, God bless my wife, she's married to me. If you tell an energetic person that they're just going way too fast and they need to slow down because you can't keep up, well, then you're telling them it's not okay to be who they truly are. To bear with is to move from tolerating the actions of our partner toward accepting their personality. Now, this is not a license for us to do whatever we want because Pastor Mark told my spouse that, well, they have to accept me for who I am so I can just keep doing whatever I want to do. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we have to be aware of the feelings of others. We have to be okay with who we are. We have to understand more who we are so that we can seek to understand those around us better. But we have to do more than just tolerate each other. If we don't, it's going to make us ultra-critical of the other person. John Gottman, he's considered uh, the marriage expert, right? He wrote The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work. If you've never read that book, it's a fantastic book. I have two copies, and I have it on Audible. It's a really good book. One of the things he says is he describes the four horsemen of the apocalypse of any relationship. And they are criticism, defensiveness, I always forget this one. Contempt and stonewalling. Criticism, defensiveness, contempt, and stonewalling. You see, these negative behaviors, while they can creep into any marriage and relationship, what he said is the ones that will stand, the relationships that will stand the test of time are able to identify and remedy these four kind of character traits, these negative behaviors before they can take root in their marriage. That They become the norm of operating. If you can prevent them from taking root. You see, accepting others doesn't necessarily mean that we stop providing constructive feedback either. Where would be the fun in marriage if we couldn't offer, y'all were supposed to laugh, if we weren't offering constructive feedback, right? I mean, it's one of the things that's helpful. I like receiving it myself, right? It's helpful. We're In relationship, we're supposed to help broaden the perspective of the people we're in relationship with. But I want to invite us to be less negative And to be more positive. Try the rule of five. What does that mean? It means that for every constructive piece of negative feedback you're going to provide to your partner. That you would not sandwich it with with positivity, but you would Big Mac it with positivity. You know what I'm saying? So you would go up. Now, I am not saying this. I'm not saying, hey, 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 I've got something to tell you. Uh, Here are three really nice things about you. Okay. But listen up, I gotta tell you something, you're doing this really ticking me off. Okay, here are two other nice things, but remember that thing I said, okay? Right? Don't do that. What I'm saying is focus more on the positives so that throughout time, you're, if you wanna do tally sheets, do this as a tally sheet. How many times have you said positive, positive things to your spouse, right? So find and identify more positives and say them out loud more often and focus less on the negative behavior. Focus less on some of the negatives 
and do more of the positives. The rule of five. It can be helpful. Now, this isn't an excuse to suppress your feelings, to be passive aggressive, or to create this story in your mind that, well, I am generous and benevolent because I let them off the hook this time. So that makes me awesome. What I'm asking is that in relationship, we move toward accepting the other with more grace, with more understanding, with more honesty. Let's be honest. We're not perfect. And clothing ourselves with an attitude of compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, well, that's not easy, is it? And it's also not easy to, to long suffer with our spouses, right? To bear with. That's not easy either. We're going to mess up sometimes. We're not going to do that all the time. And that's okay. You know why? Because there are six words. Six words. If we can memorize these six words, if we can internalize these six words, and if we can say them as much as humanly possible when it's appropriate, these six words will ensure that any relationship we're in is set up for success. And if we never, ever, ever say these six words to the people we're in relationship with, it can ensure that whatever relationship we're in will most certainly die. You want to know what those six words are? I am sorry. I forgive you. Say it with me. I am sorry. I forgive you. Now, do I need to have you all turn to the people you came with and say, I'm sorry, I forgive you? No? Okay. Well, that's homework. Go home and do that, all right? I am sorry. I forgive you. Forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. You know, the fable of the owl and the parrot ends with, I am sorry, I forgive you. When they both become more aware of who they are, internally of their own personality traits, they begin to more easily identify personality behavior versus versus these single actions that need to be addressed. And in doing so, you know what they found? They didn't find the right way forward, right? They found the better way. As they, the way the story goes, the way that they put the three additional kits together, they did it together, including both, finding value in each other. At some point, we say to ourselves, I know he's not perfect, but I choose to love him anyway. At some point, we say to ourselves, you know, I know all of her negatives, but her positives greatly outweigh them. Now, that may mean that you're going to have to focus more on the positives and less on the negatives. Forgiveness does not mean that we allow people that we're in relationship with to use and abuse us, to take advantage of us. There are some things that we cannot put up with, like adultery, abuse and addiction. Now, let me be clear because these are all three very separate, complicated issues. What I mean to say is these are all issues, right? If you're in an abusive relationship, you need to get out now. It's toxic. Go find help from somebody outside of your relationship. If there's been adultery in your relationship, it doesn't mean that your marriage can't be healed. But what it means is you need help. You need somebody to help you through that. You can't do it on your own. These issues can be so painful. They can be deal breakers and we have to name that. But There are smaller issues that can cause real pain and require a measure of grace to be dealt with. But if we want to move beyond them, we have to say, I am sorry. I forgive you. Man, Jesus talked a whole mess about forgiveness. He talked a lot about forgiveness. You know what he said? He said, hey, when you're on your way to church, 
and you're driving to church and you, this is Mark Montgomery paraphrase, when you're driving to church and you realize, man, I'm heading to church and I haven't forgiven so-and-so for that thing they did to me. Jesus says, I want you to turn that car right around. I want you to go over to their house, knock on the door, walk inside and forgive them. Then you can come to church. That's what Jesus says. You know, Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, he came up to Jesus and he said, Jesus, you keep talking about forgiveness. How many times are we supposed to forgive people? Seven times? Jesus says, try seven times, 70 times. The thing we need to understand and to better acclimate ourselves with is that we all, individually, personally, have this sin debt against God that none of us can afford to pay. No matter how good we are, no matter how hard we work, no matter how nice we are, we have this sin debt against God that can never be repaid from us. And that same God that we have the sin debt against said his only son, knowing that the very people he sent to pay their sin debt would be the very people that would kill him. But he came anyway. Do you know who he came for? Do you know whose debt he came to pay? Yours. He came to pay yours. He paid yours. Here's the difficult part of the good news of Jesus Christ. Do you know who else Jesus came to pay their debts? The people we find it hard to forgive. Forgiving others the way that God forgave us is central to who we are as Christians. It doesn't always mean that our relationships will be the same. Sometimes we'll offer that forgiveness and the relationship will end anyway. And that may be a part of it and that's okay. But... I am sorry, and I forgive you, set two people free. The one who has been hurt, and the one who's done the hurting. Here's what I know. God's grace, coupled with repentance and forgiveness, can bring healing in ways we will never fathom. Here's the thing I want to confess to you today. There are things I've done in my marriage that I am absolutely not proud of. I have been critical of my wife. I have been defensive, I have held her in contempt, and I have stonewalled her just because I wanted to get under her skin because she made me mad about this thing I did sometime. You know what? She's done that to me too. But here's the good news. You know what we keep hearing from each other? I am sorry. I forgive you. And the good news is those things have not taken root in our marriage. Because of the forgiveness. Now, it doesn't mean that we're not trying harder to not do those things. But I am sorry, and I forgive you, can bring healing. Are there things you've done that you need to be forgiven for? Are you carrying around bitterness because you haven't forgiven somebody else? In either case, I would implore you, approach God. You might ask, Lord, Help me to ask for forgiveness. Or you might say, Lord, help me to forgive. I want to challenge our married couples. I want to challenge you every night this week or morning whenever you find yourselves alone together. I want you to pray together. Out loud. In a room. Together. Here's one of the things I've learned over time. There are a few things that can heal a marriage or bring about the forgiveness we need than when two people who are married 
pray out loud together to their God in heaven, repenting and asking forgiveness from God for the things that they've done to their spouse. Nothing can bring healing. Well, few things can bring healing like that. God's grace is spectacular in moments like that. And friends, I would invite you, if you've never done that, pray together out loud, repenting and asking for forgiveness. Here's the other thing I want you to do. And I feel like I need to clarify this because I keep hearing that people didn't get it. So what I want you to do is write down the things that are irritating that you do to the people you love. I had people come up to me and say, hey, Pastor Mark, I'm going to go home and write down all the things that everybody does that's irritating. No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. I want to challenge you to write down all of the behaviors that you do that you know irritate the people you love. If you're single, you've got people you love too. Write those behaviors down. And here's what I want you to do. Pray over them. And ask for God's grace. God's endless grace in all of this. That's what we're praying for. You see, the mission of marriage and relationships is to love each other the way that God loves us so that we could model for the world God's love for them. So the world would know it's the mission of the church, too. You know, all of this is hard to clothe, bear with, and forgive. It's very difficult stuff. You know what the secret is at the end of Colossians that Paul gives us? He says, above all things, clothe yourself with love that binds everything together in perfect harmony. And... Let the peace of Christ rule our hearts. What would it look like if this divisive, spiteful world suddenly witnessed people who were so overwhelmed by God's love that they were willing to clothe, bear with, and forgive each other, and that they had made the conscious decision to clothe themselves with love above all things and were allowing the peace of Christ to rule in their hearts? And they actually had a marriage filled with love. They had relationships, families that were healthy. What kind of message would that send? You know, if we did that, if we clothe, bear with, forgive, what would that do to our marriages? What would that do to us? Set us free. What would that do for our children? What would that teach our children about God's love and mercy and grace? If we did that for each other. What would that do for our neighborhoods? that do for our community? What would that do for our world? It's not always pretty. In fact, this can be downright messy. I recognize that. But the ministry of marriage, ministry of relationships, the ministry of the church is to clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience to bear with one another, and if any of you has a complaint against the other, to forgive just as your God in heaven has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. And above all things, clothe yourselves with love that binds everything together in perfect harmony and let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. You know, if we love God and if we love others the way that we love God, Well, friends, the world will know of God's love for them. And the world will be different because of it. Let's pray. Oh, holy God, we thank you for the grace you've given us through Jesus Christ. And Lord, we recognize that we don't always live up to who you've called us to, but that's okay. 
because you've given us grace. We pray that we would never stop following, never stop trying to be who you've called us to be and that your Holy Spirit would give us the strength to clothe ourselves with the right attitude, to bear with one another, to forgive one another. But above all of this, we clothe ourselves with love and let the peace of Christ rule under our hearts. That the way that we love each other would tell the world about your love for us and for them. Help us, Lord. Help us in all that we do to love you, to love others well. In the name and to the glory of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Friends, I want to invite you to stand as you're able.